Hello there, this is Talk TV, live from the Talk Radio studio tonight. I'm Daryl Morris. Um, uh, let's head around the world to uh, North America shortly. Ryan Harris is there for us with the latest on the uh, January the 6th Insurrection Committee meetings. We'll chat to him a little bit later. As you can see, though, John Bonfinglio is with us uh, from live tonight from the, uh, the set of Breaking Bad, uh, by the looks of it. <laughs> what's, what's behind you there? It's, um, well, I'd love to say it's genuine and authentic, but, um, you know, given that it's nighttime here, it's definitely not, you know, a real live jungle canopy. It's just a big picture that I've got behind oh, right. me, which I spent weeks moving the computer perfectly into position so you can't see its edges. Oh, right. Nice. Let's have a look. Let's have a proper look. Let's have a full look at uh, John's. Let's appreciate in all of its glory. There it is. In all of its glory, John's background. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Very nice. Very nice, sir. Uh, listen, we have a few things to get through, John, um, uh, and a bit of time to get through it. So let's um, let's take a gentle stroll through what's happening in Latin America. We have to start off with a story that is, that's been concerning for a while and, um, uh, and, and may be reaching uh, a tragic end or uh, as yet unconfirmed because we've been, of course, keeping an eye on the fortunes of the journalist, the UK-based journalist, uh, or, or the journalist from the UK, uh, Dom Phillips, and um, an expert who was travelling with him, uh, who went missing uh, last week, um, uh, and uh, in the Amazon rainforest. And uh, there's been a, a difficult development, hasn't there today? Yeah. So the development in the last 24 hours is that it seems as though human remains have been found on a section of river where, you know, near where they were last seen. I guess. Look. I mean, there's two things here. One is you know, do we know that it's human remains belonging to, to Bruno or to Dom Phillips? I mean, we, we don't, but fundamentally, almost from day one, like today, you know, it's uh, uh, coming to the end of the week, so almost seven days into, you know, since their, since their disappearance. But since the very beginning, it's been clear that you know, what has taken place with Dom and Bruno, the indigenous expert that it was accompanying Dom, was not anything like a straightforward I say straightforward and in inverted commas, you know, disappearance of uh, some people in a jungle context where something was wrong, you know, they went missing and so on. I think it's been very clear from the beginning that there's been foul play and some kind of criminal activity. Partly we know that because of where it is, of that particular area of, of jungle. Like, you cannot get more deep in the Amazon jungle than, uh, than this area of the Havari, uh River which is on the border with, with Peru and Colombia as well, which, and that in and of itself, just the remoteness multiplied by the fact that you've got uh, a series of different national jurisdictions kind of in and of itself encourages uh, a lot of, you know, organized crime and illegal uh, contraband behavior there from you know, illegal gold mining to logging to uh, furtive hunting and, uh, and so on. So these guys were kitted out. These guys were going between, no matter how remote it is, they were going between A and B, two communities in a journey that should not, two indigenous communities, in a journey that should not have taken them more than two hours, maybe even one hour at most. They left one community last Sunday morning. They were due at the other community. They did not arrive. And by the time they didn't arrive uh, in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday, the indigenous communities were already raising, you know, alerting the authorities and starting their own search because they knew that you know something had happened, partly because of the context but also because uh, both Bruno and Dom had very specifically received death threats, uh, you know, days and weeks before they went missing. Okay, that's key here, isn't it? And and on that, John, that that context, uh, they'd received death threats for their reporting of what and why. Yeah. So 
Um, I guess it's probably worth going back a step too. So Don Phillips has been working in the Amazon uh, for 10 years now, reporting on the Amazon, reporting on on deforestation and so on. And Bruno, his, his, uh, his, his companion and indigenous expert, has been journeying with him, with him in that area too. They've been working on a, on a, in particular, on a book. But specifically, you know, their experience of this remote part of the Amazon was that there was a, a whole heap of a variety of organised crime and illegal activity taking place, which they were shining a light on. You know, as investigative journalism does, they were saying this is happening here. Um, and alerting the authorities, which, you know, largely speaking, we're doing nothing about it. And actually, I guess one of the ironies, uh, you know, if there is anything positive to come out of this story at all, which is really difficult to, to find, is that um, the international media have never been so interested in uh, the remote Amazon and what actually is taking place in the remote Amazon, which is generated by a human interest story with them going missing. Uh, and basically what you've got, the context that you've got, deep, deep in the Amazon is of an area, a vast, uh, unpatrolled, unmanaged, uncontrolled area, in which, which is basically a free-for-all for extractionist tendencies from, you know, quasi-legal miners through to full coca-growing contraband, which then moves across the borders and so on. Um, and actually, the, the Bolsonaro administration in the recent past has not only reduced or, or shattered a number of the environmental norms and protocols but the only policing that is that does exist in these areas is of the indigenous groups and nations you know that have historically always lived there and still live there and actually uh, that the Bolsonaro administration has also cast significant doubt on these claims which has led to again more of a free-for-all a land grab if you like uh, in these areas and so it is very specifically this reporting this international reporting which led to the threats and which got them into trouble. Um, and, you know, we're, I think we're assuming, we have to assume at this point, you know, the worst has happened. But, you know, as a number of people have said, killing international journalists is not good for business. And the spotlight that is being shone on practice in, you know, the day-to-day -day and the conflicts in, in this part of the world is really reaching a whole new level of international awareness at the moment. Goodness me. Wow. And... Um... You talk about the, 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 the sort of the complex, the complex way in which the jurisdictions of this, this area are, uh, are sort of carved up. Forget, correct me if I've misunderstood here, John, but you said, you said that, that sort of effectively sort of lends itself to, 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 to crime and criminal behaviour. Um, how so? Yeah, so historically, banditry has always been on, on border areas. Um, bandits have always managed to, uh, to exist more fruitfully in border areas because, say, I mean, partly in the high seas, say, with piracy, but also just in, in, in land borders because, say, you are on a particular side of a border, you've done something, the police come in, you just cross the border. So you go to the other side, and especially where there is no such thing as a physical border, say, in the Amazon, you just go into another jurisdiction uh, so it allows you not just to get away from uh, from the authorities, which, again, largely don't exist in this particular place, but it also allows you to move goods. So say hypothetically you are involved in illegal logging on the Colombian side of the Amazon border. What you would very specifically do there is then move it into onto a river, which then moves into Brazil or Peru and so on. And so then there's no, you know, there is no international jurisdiction there. So moving these these trees or animal species or whatever it might be that you are moving across into a different jurisdiction means that there is no um, no provenance. You know, it cannot be traced back to a particular area in a new jurisdiction. So you know, you can basically move it and sell it on 
and so on without anybody you know caring particularly about it equally if you are fleeing from a particular authority uh, then you can just move across the border and then suddenly you know you step over this imaginary border over a meter 10 meters or whatever and suddenly the authorities not only uh, are not interested in looking uh, for you across that particular space but also the authorities on the other side just cannot go there you know legally to find you as well so you know like i say traditionally um illegal you know major illegal activity uh is uh, tends to find a home on tra at transit points in terms of international nations Wow, goodness me. It's like we're sort of work the system, isn't it, uh, in in a way. Yep. Um, John, we're talking here about uh, a, a journalist and um, uh, a journalist who has, we hope not, but may have to conclude, John, lost his life uh, after being threatened for uh, exposing information, exposing criminal behaviour, etc., and talking about that. Um, how safe do you feel? Um, look, uh, I mean, do I feel safe on a day-to-day -day basis? Uh, you know, I live in, in the south of Mexico. I moved around Latin America. I've been to this area where, where Don Phillips has, has gone missing. I, I wouldn't say I know it you know, incredibly well, but I do know it pretty well. I'm aware of the kinds of things that go on in these places. Things have happened to me, uh, you know, some of which we've spoken about on your show before. I've had run-ins with with people, individuals, and uh, and so on. So it's not that I'm not aware of the risks of of these things, um, you know, things that may take place. But to some extent, I think you 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 know you you park them, you put them to one side, uh, you get on with the you know with the day to day of of telling, of speaking truth as you know it. I mean, for me, I guess the most important, you know, the most the thing which comes across uh, most, in particular which will amuse you, no doubt, in terms of my mother's correspondence with me on a day-to-day -day basis is about the cartels. As, you know, she says, don't speak about the cartels, don't talk about um, the drugs war, all those kinds of things. Do I think about that? No, not really. Do I choose not to speak about it? No, I try and give, you know, the real complexities of the situation without painting good guys or bad guys and, and telling the story, you know, how it really is uh, on the ground without you know, over amplifying it uh, or whatever. But, but I'm also aware, you know, that, that not just other journalists, you know, the situation with Don Phillips, but also, you know, other people that I am close to, whether it's indigenous land rights uh, activists, you know, human, human rights defenders and so on, you know, that things, that they live under threat, uh, that things have happened to them from you know, intimidation, beatings through to, you know, straightforward murder and so on, and that you are in a kind of a firing line. But, you know, ultimately, and, and the fact that, you know, Latin America, and in particular Mexico, is one of the most dangerous countries in the world for, for journalists. But I guess, the, the, you know, the existential question is, what do you do with that? And, you know, I guess if I'm going to do something with that in terms of not telling the stories, then I would go and do something else. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, I'm not about to, you know, I'm not about to, to do that. Hmm. Well said. Um a lot of reporting around this, John, and you mentioned there that, that you know, that, that human interest story here that's generated a huge amount of press and a huge amount of reporting. And I guess that's also, that's also, um, uh, shown the, the what you, well, you know, what, what could be, maybe hopefully be, uh, at least in part, uh, uh l the disinfectant of light 
onto this story as well, because we are now talking about that criminal activity in that area, right? Do you see that playing out? Do you see this, this, this in a, in a sense, um, contributing to any, any sort of change? I don't think it's going to con contribute to any real change. I think it's going to contribute to news making and policy making, which fundamentally probably achieves nothing. I imagine that because of the pressure that's been put on by, you know, even Pele has mentioned about this and the slowness of the response and so on. Uh, you know, John Kerry has said he would look into the disappearance and the like. So I, I think people have to respond. The authorities, politicians, governments have to respond to this in, in some way. Um, and, and that's going to play out. But I, I don't see, again, which we've spoken about before, Darryl, I don't see that anything that happens, you know, at a point of criminality in the deep Amazon is actually fundamentally affected by policy making in that particular space. It's, 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 it's affected by supply and demand in London, in New York, in Paris, uh, and the bucks that, you know, the demand that, that is generated for this, you know, whether it's be the trade in illegal exotic species or in particular kind of exotic hardwoods, uh, the, you know, cocaine, which is grown, you know, illicitly in, the, in this part of the deep jungle as well, all of these different things. So, you know, you can move it, you can police it, you can shift it, you can criminalize it. Um, it's just going to move somewhere else and be run by somewhere else, somebody else, as, as long as that, that continues. It really has to, something has to happen, demand side of that. Um, and I don't see how that can really take place. An, an interesting example of, of some, some things that can happen, I think, as, as, are as regards things like, uh, you know, meat transfer, cattle farming and so on, say in, the, in Brazil and the Brazilian Amazon. And things that move forward, if you look at a UK context, things that move forward with that, you know, they're, they're not brilliant, but they're definitely better than they were 10 years ago, better than they were five years ago. I mean, these things in, in many senses are... Uh, untraceable, but you know where you can trace them, and actually bringing policy in um, in order to to police this at a at a, at a shopping centre, you know, at a Tesco, Sainsbury's uh, sense is, is definitely possible. And then there are organisations also, say like uh, you know the, the the Business and Human Rights Resource Centre, say in in this place in London and New York and a number of different places as well, that actually directly advocate with businesses, and they say you know you have responsibilities to not just because there's a law around these things, but also because of best practice in terms of business to find out, you know, what's happening on your watch. And maybe you're not directly responsible for it, but actually you actually ha have to um, gauge and police everything that's happening in those areas around your watch. And that kind of is moving forward a little bit in terms of, um, I guess, kind of conversations at a high level of, of business and especially multinationals, because uh, ironically, I guess, multinationals, when governments want to, you know, police multinationals, often they stand back because they say, well, you know, actually it's very difficult for us to do this because they are so powerful. But actually, the, you know, the jurisdiction around multinationals is more straightforward to police because they have vested interests in so many different places. So it's, it, it's at that end, really, that, you know, change needs to happen rather than, you know, a new police force, say, in the Amazon or, mm. or make illegal the, the export of this endangered armadillo, which is already... You know, it's already the case, so it's no. not. You know, cocaine is illegal. It's yeah, yeah. It's four times more now than it was uh, under Pablo Escobar's uh, heyday 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, really fascinating. Really, really interesting insight. Um, uh, can we just move to, um, to, to well, before four, John, we're going to talk about uh, the, the uh, January the 6th Insurrection Committee. 
uh, in the States. And um, there's a couple of stories uh, from Latin America in the last couple of days, John, that lend themselves to uh, that theme. Uh, we'll, we'll talk in a minute, if you will, about the um, Bolivian president, uh, former president, uh, who's been uh, uh, sentenced over a, 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 a coup. Uh, let's talk more directly about the US and the US president and Bolsonaro, the Brazilian president, uh, who have met at a summit of the Americas, uh, haven't they? After a bit of back and forth about whether or not this was actually going to happen in Los Angeles or not. And the main headline, John, I'm sure you'll have been following this closely and, and you'll, there'll be lots of themes, but it seems the main point and the main headline is Bolsonaro f sort of fueling um, the fire of uh, uh, Trump's unfounded and false claims uh, that he, in fact, won the, the election in 2020 and Joe Biden didn't. Yeah, just a week before, a few days before meeting Biden, he, he cast aspersions on the, on the, uh, you know, on the validity of the vote. Again, as always with politics in an international context, they really reflect back on a local context. So really what Bolsonaro is doing here is not really casting aspersions on what took place at the last US election cycle, but he's publicly questioning what took place there so that when things don't go his way, as they probably won't in the major October Brazilian presidential elections, he can then say, well, look, it didn't happen over there. So it didn't happen correctly over there and exactly the same thing has happened here. So he's laying the groundwork, much, much as Trump did before the election, you know, in terms of casting aspersions on the, on the validity of the potential vote, Bolsonaro is doing exactly the same. I mean, it's no great accident that he's consistently referred to as the Trump of the tropics. I mean, all of his playbook really, you know, follows uh, a Trumpian process. And that's basically what he's doing is, you know, he, he is ostensibly thinks he's going to lose the October election to Ignacio Lula da Silva, the the famous leftist president of the early 2000s, who's since been in prison and so on, has, has come back and is like the bete noir of Bolsonaro. So he's, you know, he's he's throwing out uh, in, information brackets disinformation about what took place in order to give him more of a leg up when he questions the validity of his own electoral process. Oh. And potentially, in brackets, if we're talking about the 6th of January, and potentially, uh, you know, gets. The military involved. Goodness me! Right. Okay. Wow. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on that story, John, and uh, and uh, uh, you and I can follow it co closely if 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 we can uh, as we head towards um, October. That'll be really fascinating, won't it, for us to uh, to to keep an eye on to feast on as it happens. Um, and and on that theme, uh, uh, the uh, former uh, Bolivian president has been uh, sentenced ten years in jail over what prosecutors say was a coup to oust her predecessor. Yep. Uh, you know, this took place uh, a couple of years ago, and and, and certainly, you know, uh, it, it was it a, a power grab? Was it a coup? I mean, you know, when is it? We could have. I'm sure there are academic treatises written by you know the, the finest universities universities um, on earth about what is a coup and when is a coup and when is not a coup. Uh, I mean, did it look like a coup and sound like a coup and smell like a coup? Yeah, sure. So, <laughs> is she guilty? As, you know, is she guilty as charged? Pretty much. But actually, you know, if you're looking at the long picture, the, the, the long game of Latin American politics, is it helpful for, you know, the left that, um, you know, that she came down heavy upon to then, you know, try her and give her 10 years for this? All that's going to happen next time is that, you know, the increased um, schism and politicization of these processes is that when power changes hands again, the same thing is going to happen in reverse. So, you know, did it happen? Yeah, yeah, it did. Is she guilty? Yeah. Is it broadly speaking helpful for these, you know, to, to politicize the judiciary 
um, you know, and 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 send send down these you know fairly extreme sentences to individuals. You know, in terms of the healthy democracies and political processes of Latin America or anywhere else on earth, the big fat no to that one. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, okay, John, really nice to talk to you tonight. Uh, glad we've got a bit more time as well uh, this evening to, to, to really get under the skin of some of those stories. Really appreciate it. We will do it again soon, my friend. Uh, take care of yourself. Some really valuable insights from John Bonfini, our man in Latin America, uh, on Talk TV tonight. And, um, and and really smart of John, actually, to point to uh, Bolsonaro's comments there about the 2020 election in America as being um, a, a, a teeing-up exercise uh, for him in October this year, when he faces a difficult election, laying the groundwork as Trump did uh, to suggest that the election wasn't legitimate. 